Welcome to Let's Admit It, a college admissions podcast hosted by the Boise Bible College Admissions Department. Here, we aim to answer the spoken and unspoken questions of high school students and parents who are looking to learn more about a Christian college experience. You can learn more about Boise Bible College at www.boisebible.edu. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to the Let's Admit It podcast. My name is Michael Gritton. I am your host, and I have been for a while. Today, uh, we are going to be continuing on in what I'm lovingly calling the second season of our podcast, which is um, Professor Interviews. If you've been with us for a little while, you know that last semester was all about answering questions about the admissions process. Well, I feel like we did a pretty good job doing that, and so we are transitioning into introducing you, the listeners, to the people you're going to be spending the most amount of time with, which are the professors. Um, Two weeks ago, you guys got to hear from Ben Williams. Last week, you got to hear from Lisa Rule. Uh, Today, we're bringing you the head of the um, Biblical Studies Department. He also dabbles in New Testament stuff as well as Greek stuff. Uh, Vance Russell. Vance, hello. Hi. Good Good, to be here. Good to have you on. Um, Vance and I, uh, as well as Ben Williams, have had kind of a tumultuous couple of weeks as the Chiefs prepare to face the Cleveland Browns. Um, so I'm glad I'm I'm happy that you're you're in here. And I'm also happy that you're out of reach. Are, uh, are you on Team Vance or Team? Ben? Oh, I'm on Team Ben. You're on you're on the. Browns I'm a Cleveland Browns side. fan. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's why in our okay. staff meeting I turned over and said, uh, "I know they're going to lose, but I sure am glad they're losing to you and not the Steelers." All right. Well, I, we're happy that you're going to lose to us too. <laughs> uh, well, Vance, um, again, appreciative of you being on today. Um, Last last season, last semester, whatever you want to call it, um, a lot of the content of this was driven specifically by the question that was being answered, whether that was about the essays that were being written, about the importance of financial aid, all that stuff. Um, these, this season, very much driven by you. So cool. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Um, floor is yours. Go crazy with it as you will. But um, we're going to take the... The first question, which I usually ask, we're going to split up into two, um, which the first one is going to be uh, just describe your background, um, specifically up to schooling. All right. Yeah, great. So I grew up in Kansas on a cattle ranch. So I'm a cowboy, which often surprises people when they when they meet me because I'm very much not a cowboy anymore. But that's that's really how <laughs> I was I was raised, raising raising cattle, riding horses, all that stuff. Um my mom took us to church uh, as long as I can remember my whole life. My my dad's not a believer, so he never um, came to church with us and had uh, any shows of uh, signs of, of faith. But I had a great youth minister in high school, and he took me to camp and he took me to events at our local Bible college, and um, really invested a lot in me and uh, and asked me to consider if God might be calling me into ministry. And that uh, led me toward toward Bible college. As a, a poor farming ranch kid, um, we didn't have money for college. So that was definitely something to, to pray about. And began praying about that and knew that, that if there was any chance of me going to college, it was going to have to be God to get me there. Mm. And not long after praying that prayer, I went to a, a great week of camp, had the time of my life, and at the end of that week, they gave out these awards that were scholarships for tuition for Bible college. Hmm. And I got one, 
and that first one was for 24 tuition hours. Wow. Yeah. That was after my sophomore Jeez. year of high school. So I went back again after my junior year of high school and came home with another 14 more hours of tuition. And then after my senior year of high school, I got one more that was 12 more hours of tuition. So that you, was you were barking up a full ride at that point. At that point, I had 50 hours Man. of tuition paid for before I ever enrolled in college. Gee Louie. And I was now they have rules against that now. Sure, like they sure. make sure that I'm like, sure it's they probably do. called the Vance Russell rule somewhere. <laughs> they make sure that um that yeah, kids don't uh get the same award yep. year after year and they also uh don't give nearly as large of scholarships now as they did then. I'm sure they don't. But man, um Whew. that that's what I needed yeah. to get out of the ranch and into college. And so um, God answered that prayer with uh, to the tune of 50 tuition hours paid for before I ever enrolled in college. And man, then, oh man. Yeah, and then through college, I, I, I had the blessing of working two or three jobs every semester. Mm. And I really mean that by blessing because um, I had to, I still, even though I had the scholarships, I still had to work my tail off to, uh, to pay for it. Sure. And uh, I, I spent several semesters working in the cafeteria. Um, I took care of a mentally handicapped man for a, a, a time. I worked for FedEx, uh, slinging boxes around for a while. Uh, I spent uh, four semesters as an RA. I spent three years as a youth minister and worked for a couple semesters in our campus learning center, uh, helping students write papers. So lots and lots of, of, of work through that. And I spent uh, 10 semesters in undergrad for the degree that I did. And um, at the end of it, by the grace of God, graduated debt-free as the first yeah. graduate from my whole family. Cool. Cool. You know, the thing I love about doing these podcasts, I just like listening to people's stories. Mm -hmm. I've known you, Vance, for what, five-ish years? At something least, like that? yeah. I, I've been here for six. I had yeah. no clue about all that. Yeah. <laughs> None. Interesting. Um, all right, so back half of that first question is, so we've talked about your, your you know, early years, school life. Talk to me about, you know, you touched on ministry experience. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to talk about with that? Yeah, so during my college years, uh, I did three years of weekend youth ministry and um, love, what was with a great church. Actually, the youth minister that, that had invested in me um, moved on to another church where he was the, the senior minister, and they hired me to work with him as the youth minister. So right. it was great to kind of continue that relationship. And there, were, there was a lot of, of, um, of growth, uh, learned a lot about ministry uh, through that. So shout out to, to Mike Elrod at, at uh, Westside Christian Church in Coffeyville, Kansas. That was a, a good time. After I graduated college, moved to Illinois and got my Master of Divinity degree there and um, spent a couple semesters, maybe 16 months or so, preaching at a tiny church that is literally in the middle of a cornfield. Okay. Yeah, yeah, 30 people at the beginning of that, and it was called the Number 10 Church of Christ. The Number they're 10? Still, they're still there, yeah. Is that in reference to the street? No. <laughs> or are it they is, the 10th, like is, chronologically, are they the 10th Church of Christ? No. It is in <laughs> reference to the number 10 one-room schoolhouse in the state of Illinois, which was 
a mile down the road from where the church is, but that schoolhouse no longer stands. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, tiny church, but it was it was a chance for me to just get some experience teaching and and uh, preaching on a weekly basis, and and doing some pastoral work. This church was two hours away, mm-hmm. so I would commute there every Sunday and drive back home that afternoon. So it was a good kind of interim role there. Uh, just a very small congregation, and their preacher had taken a bit of a sabbatical, so I kind of filled in while he was while he was out. And then, um, right about the time that Julie and I were getting married, because we met at at, at undergrad, mm-hmm. and then we both went to Illinois to go to grad school together. So it was kind of of cool uh, that we that we were together in both of those chapters of our lives. About the time that we were getting married, um, I started at another church, which was a congregation of around 100, 90 to 100 or so. Mm-hmm. Again, in a tiny town of like 300 people, Hartsburg, Illinois, and worked at that church for three years as their lead pastor. That was a full-time ministry, not just a weekend kind of, kind of thing. And again, enjoyed that, learned a lot, uh, learned how much I still needed to learn, um, learned how to serve and, and, and love love people, learned how to how to deal with some some challenging situations through through those years. Graduated seminary, moved in 2008, moved back to Kansas about an hour moved moved in about an hour where I, from where I used to from where I grew up. And in that uh, that church, I served as the associate minister. That was a church of around. F- 400 uh, or so, and served there for six years uh, in the associate role, worked with college students, and loved that ministry. I got to teach and got to uh, to work with, with uh, students at a, a secular university that was there in town, Pittsburgh, Kansas, Pitt State University, Go Gorillas. They're the only <laughs> school in the, in the country with a mascot of the Gorillas. And what was really cool, in 2011, we won the D2 football national championship all right yeah yeah so um so when you go to a gorillas football game you get to hear thunderstruck by by guns and roses guns and roses yeah Yeah. uh you get to hear that about 12 times all right uh, during the game um so uh my my children know guns and roses really (laughs) (laughs) no no welcome to the jungle it's it's funny that you hear welcome to the jungle i'm like oh it feels like home um there's a there's a cool nostalgia to that but uh, again some good years of ministry there and um between that church and then moving up here i also did a a six-month interim preaching ministry in a, in a tiny little town of thayer kansas which mm-hmm. is close to the the church camp that i grew up going to some wonderful people there um and uh, I just kind of served as an interim while they were without a senior minister and helped them transition during that time while I was kind of in a transition myself on, on the way up here. And we moved here in 2015 and uh, have really enjoyed it. Uh, my family and I have gotten involved at 10 Mile Christian Church. I'm not on staff there, but I do serve on the preaching team. Mm-hmm. So a handful of times every year, um, I'll uh, I'll be in the pulpit on Sunday. Just preached recently, actually. And yeah, just preached uh, this past Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, just love that. It's a it's a great congregation. They the preaching team there is just full of solid people, and that are very gifted. That all have unique styles, mm-hmm. and I think it really contributes to the health of the congregation to hear different people preach with different styles. Um, our, our senior minister um, uh, Steve Moore. 
uh, does a great job of, of leading, and I'm just happy to, to serve on that team. And when I'm not preaching at, at 10 Mile, um, I get to travel around and speak on behalf of BBC uh, to some of our supporting churches as well and enjoy doing that. And sometimes I can take students along with me or sometimes I'll take family along with me. And um, so I, I feel like it's the best of, of all worlds. My heart really is in teaching mm-hmm. in, the, in the classroom, but I never want to have that separated from real boots on the ground ministry. Yeah. Um, there's, there's tendencies and dangers of trying to separate teaching into some kind of academic ivory tower. And that's, that's certainly not how I was trained. And that is, is certainly not where my heart is. I want to make sure that, um, what I'm teaching in the classroom is going to translate into our students for the ministries that they have and that they can see that that my involvement in the local church is a direct way that that what I teach is being applied to uh, to real real people in their lives. So uh, starting in March, I'll be kicking off a Sunday school series and get to teach at, right. at church too. So uh, it's fun to, uh, to get to serve in all of these different capacities. Cool. All right. Well, um, man, that's a, that's a lot of backstory. Um, I, okay. So you're, you know, you're, you're at, you're at college, you're at, you're doing ministry. Mm-hmm. You guys transition what, like 15, 1600 miles across the country. Something like that. Something like that. It's a 24 hour drive. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's 1800 miles. I know that from, <clears throat> uh, from Johnson city, Tennessee, mm-hmm. all the way over to, basically the middle of Vegas, which is kind of like congruent to us yeah. is about 30 hours. So that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so I, I okay. So I want to, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about, um, your specific area of focus, which obviously is biblical studies, but I do want to ask, um, Koine Greek, mm. which I never got to take. I never got to touch it. Um, a, where did your love of the language come from? And B, why does Koine Greek sound like Yoda? <laughs> okay. Uh, question one, my, my love of Greek, it, it probably started when I was a kid. I can remember in like junior high and high school taking Spanish class mm. and, and loving it. And I was actually kind of, some, some people have wonderful teachers, um, our teacher's idea of Spanish class was like do a crossword puzzle and make a pinata. Yep. And I was a little bit frustrated with that. And I ended up kind of like saying, well, forget this. I'm going to teach myself Spanish. So I did. <laughs> and so I, I, I'm, I'm not fluent in Spanish, but sure. um, I, I, I grasped the, the basics of it. And so kind of that's where I developed that, that initial love of language. I had a great grammar teacher in seventh grade who made us diagram sentences every day at school and I didn't appreciate it at the time, but then I end up in college, and the week before classes start, we take the uh, proficiency exam, and next thing I know, my very first day of class in college at 7 a.m. is Greek Basics 1. Heck yeah. And I uh, didn't realize that you know, most freshmen don't start with, with Greek Basics 1, but they kind of put me in that class. And it, I had to work hard to uh to get the a minus that mm-hmm. first semester in that class and then work hard the next semester to get another a minus in the second semester of greek and then the a started coming as i as i stuck with it and the classes got smaller and smaller we initially started mm-hmm. with the, the original 24 or yep. so that were in uh the first greek class and when i finished greek three 
there we were down to four of us, the mm-hmm. final four. And after that, since I had started my freshman year, I still had more time, more several more semesters before I was going to graduate. I ended up doing more independent studies. All right. So in my own undergrad, I had already translated the whole book of, of John, all of Matthew, Galatians, Colossians, and then in independent studies, translated James and First and Second Peter. And so did quite a bit, had a lot under my belt for an undergrad. Is that also where the tradition of caroling in Greek comes from? It is. So that's one of the fun things that we do around around here at BBC. Um, sometime during, you know, before Christmas break in early December, we do Greek Christmas carols. It's and one of my favorite parts working in the office. I, I love it. So my advanced, you, you have to, you have to, you have to survive. You have yep. to earn your stripes to get to do Greek caroling. So the students who are in the upper level, advanced Greek classes, we will uh, just take a day and barge in to other classrooms and just belt out Karato Cosmo, which is joy to the world, and Hey Sukas Nukes, which is silent night. And we'll, uh, we'll carol, and then we'll say... Kala uh, Christugina, which is Merry Christmas in Greek, and then move on to barge into the next classroom. Yeah. And we do all the different classrooms and then around uh, the different offices and cafeteria and everywhere else on campus. And it's so wonderful. That was a tradition that my undergrad prof did. And before I moved up here, I got to have lunch with him. And I, I very, very sincerely asked his blessing to continue mm. that tradition. And he was very happy to, uh, to pass that on. So thank you to Kenny Bowles, my, so good. my Greek professor. Every time I heard the the halls echoing with Quinn and Greek, I'm like, is it that doggone time of year again? That's right. It's yeah. so good. Uh, and- if I can, a little bit more yeah, on go. my own history on that. So I went to grad school, and there was a graduate position open to help be a grader for the mm-hmm. Greek class. And I was more qualified than the other students. So I was you know, coming with that background, uh, um, uh, and 18, hour, 18 hours of Greek in undergrad. So I, I came in with that, and they they gave me that job as a Greek grader. Well, then after one year of that, that professor, the Greek professor left. And so they needed someone else to teach Greek and they offered me that job. All so right. while I was working on my own master's degree, I ended up teaching Greek in the undergrad at Lincoln Christian University for 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 two years, four semesters, taught Greek in the undergrad and, mm. and loved it. And that was my first chance at teaching at a college level. And that's really where God conf- began to confirm to me that these were the gifts mm-hmm. that he had given me. And, and, and I, I loved it. Like, I couldn't believe that they were paying me to have that much fun. <laughs> I, Is that where the, the teaching bug bit you? It really did. Yeah, yeah. That's where I thought, God, if, if you will open the door, I would love to do mm-hmm. this for you. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think that he's excited to, uh, to answer prayers like that yeah which is as organic a place as possible for us to transition to our next question which is uh in your specific area of study which is the biblical studies which i know i say specific biblical studies is a big broad term yeah um pretend i have absolutely no clue what that is or what that means and just talk for a minute about what that why that is important Mm -hmm. to the mission of first of all the college and ultimately the kingdom by extension yeah 
So we are Boise Bible College. Bible is our middle name. And that means that every student that does a four-year degree here ends up with a, a large core of Bible college, of Bible classes. And most students, they will uh, study for a field of ministry. We've got majors in preaching, youth, worship, children, uh, teaching ministries, counseling, missions, and those are all great, great majors. Um, but some students just want to go really, really deep into biblical studies, and the biblical studies degree can, can be used in those areas of ministry, but it can also be used in a variety of other areas. Some students like to study biblical studies because they are interested in Bible translation. We've got some of your friends, some of our mm -hmm. alumni who are working with pioneer Bible translators, yep. and they're creating, um, they're, they're working toward creating um, Bible translations in languages of, of tribes and people groups that don't have the Bible in their own language, and that is is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, some students have interest in like working in archaeology. Biblical languages can help prepare for that. Some students are thinking about uh, long term beyond college. They they know that when they come into to Bible college that they want to go beyond and do a master's degree or a doctorate. And the biblical studies degree really sets people up not just to go down that path, but to thrive mm. down that path. And it's it's great to uh, to see that and um, whether whether you come into whether you think like you know I just I don't know enough Bible to go to Bible college or whether you think I know enough Bible who needs Bible college <laughs> the answer to both of those questions is that if you come here and you study you will learn. Uh, scripture in new and powerful ways that God will use for his glory to build his kingdom through you. Yeah. Right now we've got some new students just coming onto campus first time mm -hmm. um, as the spring semester gets going and they're taking the uh, Bible knowledge exam. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's this great little tool um, that, in my humble opinion, is a great tool to uh, knock people down to size. Because mm. I grew up, I grew up in, in church, and I grew up, and I came to college. And I'm like, I was in that second group. Mm -hmm. I already know all this junk. And then I took that quiz. And I'm like, I don't know who the fourth servant of the third king of Israel <laughs> is, and who needs to know. But uh, I completely agree with everything you just said. Um, so thank you for saying it. Yeah. Um, you you talked a lot about the, if I can use the term, underpinnings of the uh, biblical studies degree program. Is there anything specific you want to mention as far as specific oh. things that students in that degree program mm -hmm. will study yeah. or will learn? Anything like that? Yeah. So there's two tracks for the four-year biblical studies degree. Um, there's the Bachelor of Arts track, and then there's the Bachelor of Biblical Literature track. Mm. And the key difference is the Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies, it has at least five semesters of Greek. And we, we go deep into that, spending a lot of time studying Greek. Um, my people ask, you know, why do I need to, to study Greek? And it's it's hard to explain if you've not experienced mm. it yourself. Here's here's yeah. my little analogy. We're all wearing our COVID masks, right? So one day last week, um, I, I kissed my wife 
while still wearing my mask. <laughs> and you've got a wife. You, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've done that, but like you know, you can you can feel yeah. that she's there. Yeah. Like she's there. You 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 made contact with someone there, and you can see her that she's there, but you didn't really touch her. You yeah. didn't really come into contact. And after studying Greek, it feels like. Uh, like getting to to kiss God's word with a mask off, mm. that you come really into contact with the actual words that God did inspire. Our translations are good and they're reliable, but they're not actually the inspired word. What God inspired is the original. He didn't inspire the translations. So it, I love that studying Greek allows us to to put us into contact with the actual inspired word of God. Mm. That's that's what gets me excited about that, and um, our our sixth and final semester that we offer here at Greek is when students finally get to like flex and and dive deep into what they have have studied. So um, my Greek exegesis three class last semester, we finished that class and every student had their own translation of Ephesians mm. and Philippians. And like that's that's pretty cool yeah. to walk out of a class knowing that you've translated uh, books of the Bible Two whole yourself. Books of the, yeah, of the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that at that point you can speak with firsthand knowledge, not just secondhand knowledge, not just relying on someone else, relying on the tools, but you can you can say, no, I've seen this myself, I've done this myself. Whether that comes from understanding like the personalities of the authors, you understand them better yeah. by reading them in the Greek. Or, or even when people say stuff like, like, well, you know, the manuscripts all changed. We, we go into that. Yeah. We actually do the work and use the tools to find out how many of the manuscripts say it one way and how many of the manuscripts say it the other way and which one is more likely to have been the original and what difference does it make if there's a little bit of a change? We we do that work our, ourselves so that when someone says, well, who knows if you can trust the Bible because because it's all been corrupted, we're like, okay, tell me which passage, and I can tell you exactly mm-hmm. the textual history of that. Our students are capable of 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 answering those levels of, of questions, and uh, I love being able to put that kind of tool in the toolboxes of our students. Um, an analogy another analogy is that that ministry is kind of like driving the bus um you need a good bus driver to get everyone where they need to go but sometimes the bus breaks down Mm. sometimes in ministry there's a doctrinal issue there's a a maybe a cultural challenge or something like that and you have to get under the hood and fix the engine of the bus and it's one skill set to drive the bus but it's a different skill set to to fix the engine of the bus. And and Greek is like that. Greek allows you not only to to, to drive to drive the bus of ministry, but to get under the hood and and fix the engine, what's going on, understand the uh, the deep mechanics of that. And I say that as a person who has zero mechanical experience. <laughs> My mom actually was a bus driver, but um, I I I can barely just change my own oil. Yeah. I can change a tire. So, 
so I don't have a, a lot of that kind of experience. Yeah. But but I, I'd rather I'd rather translate a chapter of Greek than than uh, than change my oil. So <laughs> so it's that it's that kind of of skill set. We have another track in biblical studies. Say say like okay, I there are some students that. Uh, either they don't enjoy Greek. Um, di- people's brains are wired differently. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has a brain that's wired for language, and that's yeah. okay. And and they sometimes they can they can do the things that I can't. They can they can change, they can fix the buses <laughs> that I can't. Um, so we have another biblical studies uh, track that is called that Bachelor of Biblical Literature, and it only requires one single semester of Greek, and. And then beyond that, there are more classes about how to teach the Bible and more classes that are just going through books of the Bible or areas of theology or um, themes throughout Scripture. There's, there's classes that focus on that kind of material, and all of those come under the biblical studies umbrella here. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say on the topic of language— uh, my brain's not <laughs> wired for language, not one bit. Um, but during my, my brief, brief stay in seminary, mm-hmm. I actually took a course in Hebrew. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember much of it. I remember really thoroughly enjoying it. Um, and then we got done with the first week of schooling, um, where we got out of the, the, um, the alphabet mm-hmm. and it became time to start memorizing words and whatnot. Yeah. And I remember the professor... Well, great guy, Adam Bean. Um, mm-hmm. He's got the driest humor I've ever heard in a person. That's a requirement for being oh, a Hebrew so teacher. So great, yeah. but he he was talking to us about the the name that God gave Himself in the yeah. Old Testament, mm-hmm. and it was the only only word in the class where it's like, if you don't want to write this out, mm-hmm. I am not going to make you. Yeah. You can do the the Adonai, if you want to. Um, And I remember reading up on the given name of God in the Old Testament. It's the only Hebrew word that is plural in meaning, but is singular in writing. Hmm. And that just absolutely floored me for like Mm -hmm. two weeks. So language is beautiful. Um, I don't have the brain for Greek, not a bit, like I said. Um, But language is great. Yeah. So... I just was thinking about that, so I wanted to mention it. Um, so we got to transition um, into one of my new favorite parts of this podcast, which is the second second season, like I've mentioned, second season of the podcast, uh, we're calling uh, Professors Admit It. The name of the podcast is Let's yeah. Admit but we're doing Professors Admit It, um, which is where we give you guys an opportunity to just talk about silly billy moments in your schooling <laughs> or at your time here. So Vance... Uh, Give us the tea. What's like a funny uh, prank that you pulled? Just a funny moment in college? Go for it. All right. So in my undergrad, when I was in college, we could I could talk all day about pranks. <laughs> we were big into pranks. And, and it's one of those fine lines where, where a, a, for us at least, like there are, there are people that take it too far and it becomes hazing or even bullying. But for us, pranking was a love language. Mm. It it showed someone how much you liked them, how much you cared about them. And at times, the bigger the prank meant the more the love. <laughs> 
and th- that might not be everybody's experience, but that's what it was for, for us. So I mentioned earlier that I served as an RA, a resident assistant in the dorm for a couple years. And my buddy Tony was the other RA on our floor. And Tony's girlfriend, Holly, she was an RA in the girls' dorm. This is a different campus. Mm. Uh, I went to a different undergrad. And the girls' dorm was about a quarter mile away. And um, they left on a, on a date. They're happily married now with four kids. Wonderful, wonderful people. Love, love these guys. But this is one of the epic pranks that went down in, in those years. So they're, they're gone on a date. And we rounded up six or seven guys and six or seven girls and two trucks. Mm -hmm. And while they were on their date, we took everything out of their dorm rooms and swapped them and then reset them up so that when they came back from their date, he walked into the guy's dorm, walked into (laughs) his dorm room, and there was everything... that Holly owned and she had the same experience set up in a way that makes it look like Holly's lived there. Exactly. Yeah. It was all, it was fully decorated. The pictures were on the walls. The bed was made. Oh my goodness. The books were in order on the shelves. The clothes were hanging in the closet as an RA. So I was also kind of a little bit semi responsible at this point too. So, <laughs> so the guys who came up with the idea of the prank asked if, if I would um, allow it to happen. And I did under two conditions. So one condition was you can't touch the underwear drawer of there of is a place of, of sacredness. So so we're not going to do that. But the and the and the other condition was you have to put everything back on Saturday. Well, the prank took place on a Tuesday, so <laughs> that meant that for the rest of that week, Tony and Holly had to like meet each other and change exchange clothes that they were going to wear for the next day. And, oh my uh, goodness! And then by Saturday. Um, everybody on campus had a, had a good laugh and, and the guys got back together and we, we, uh, switched every, swapped everything oh, back and, and set it back. By the up. way, how but, long did it take, how long was that date that they were on during the, the transition period? Cause you not, were telling me this story a little yes. earlier. That window was tight. Not long, less than two hours. Yeah. 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 We, we got it done pretty quickly. Man. So that was one of the, the more epic, um, pranks that we pulled during that year because of how much we dearly loved both Tony and Holly. And they, they must not have minded too much. I was a groomsman in their wedding. Mm-hmm. And um, so great, great people. That's, <laughs> that's the type of, that's the type of prank I don't know that could happen here, but I'm so doggone happy it happened somewhere. <laughs> it was fun. All right. So um, I'm, I'm fond of repetitious questions um, on this podcast. Um, I feel like it gets us a lot of uh, I don't want to say material, but a lot of good answers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're coming up to the end of our time here, and so we're coming up to the last repetitious question, which is, um, I want you, Vance, you spend a lot of time in like camp ministry. Yeah. Um, I'm very, I love camp ministry. I'm going to be speaking at uh, Grove, Christian, goodness gracious, Grove Christian Camp at their winter retreat here in a few months. But um, imagine you have a camp student, a mm-hmm. high school student who's come up to you and uh, is debating the pros and cons, the viability of a um, college degree in specifically biblical studies. What, what, would be, what would be your advice, your encouragement? What would you say to that person? The, I'd say that it, it has to come from a deep desire to worship. Mm. 
for me, it's it really is about worship, and I'm I'm not like a a, a guy that that is really emotional or expressive in worship. Um, for me, a lot of my most profound moments of worship happen when I'm pouring through translating a text that I haven't looked through in a, in a while, and and I see something that I've never seen before, and those are those those worship moments that kind of bring me to my knees. So we don't do a, a biblical studies degree just so that we can um, win at Bible trivia mm. or that we can ace the next Bible knowledge test. Uh, our motivation, it, it comes from a, a deep love of the God who inspired that word that we're studying. Uh, Eugene Peterson, he's the the author of the Message mm. translation. Yeah. And he has a, a saying that, that studying the Bible, studying Scripture, means that we love God enough to listen carefully to what He says. Hmm. And, and I love that that image. It is a labor of love um, to listen carefully and study study God's God's Word. And we we learn a, a term called exegesis. That's a mm-hmm. good Bible college term, right? Yep. And it, it literally means to draw out, to draw out the meaning. That doesn't mean that we decide what it means and we, we find the Bible scripture that, that says what we want it to say. It means that we let the Bible speak on its own terms and that we use uh, interpretation techniques and tools to help figure out what it meant on its own terms to, from its original authors to its original audience. So we, we look at the historical background and we read it in context and we, we study the genre and we look at the words and the grammar in the original language and see how it has been interpreted throughout different periods of church history so that we can understand what it meant from the original author to the original audience and then we build that bridge to understand what it means uh, for us, the Bible was not written to us, you and me. It was written for you and me. Mm-hmm. And that I got that from John Walton. He's, he's, <laughs> he's great. He's one of my favorite. It did uh, sound quite polished. Authors in the Old Testament. So it's written for us, and it it enables us to know, um, in light of how God wanted His people to live back then, um, we can build that bridge to figure mm-hmm. out how God wants His people to live now yeah so so through that study we learn how to take god's word apart and put it back together again but but in that process there's there's something uh profound that happens through the power of the word and the power of the spirit where we find out that it's not us who stands over god's word and just takes it apart and and puts it back together but it is actually God's word that stands over us, and it's God's word that takes us apart and puts us back together. So biblical studies uh, is a way that we dive deep into that kind of, of love and devotion as an act of worship, and um, God has a way of making sure that he puts it to use for his kingdom. That could look like a variety of church ministries that we were talking about earlier. It could look like a, a volunteer service, a lay ministry uh, as an elder or a deacon or a youth sponsor or a camp counselor or something like that, um, a, a Sunday school teacher. It could look like academic ministries uh, like teaching 
or Bible translation or archaeology or, or, or beyond that. Um, but when we're faithful, uh, God has a way to make sure that his investment will be used for his glory. Good stuff. Well, Vance, I have, I've so appreciated um, everything that you've said. Um, appreciate you being on the, the podcast again. Um, look forward to having you on again at some point. Totally, yeah. Um, listeners, this is a good, this is a good podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I always enjoy listening to professor stories, especially since I have been connected with this college for, it's coming up on like eight or nine years now. And I've known these people for a good chunk of that time. And every single time I've heard something that I had no clue about whatsoever. So Fun. I just really enjoy listening to stories. So yeah, it's been fun. Thank you for sharing. Um, Next week, I believe we're going to be hearing from another professor. I'm not going to say which one just yet. Keep the, keep the anticipation high. Um, once again, thank you for joining us, and I look forward to having you next week. Have a good week. <laughs> <laughs>